the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Jimmy Fallon has to be embarrassed. In case you don't know who he is, he's the host of The Tonight Show. You remember The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson? Well, this is just, you know, The Tonight Show. And what's maybe he does say starring Jimmy Fallon. But anyway, what's Jimmy Fallon going to say to his liberal friends when they ask him about finishing behind somebody named Greg Gutfeld in the ratings? That's what he's doing. Gutfeld hosts a show on a cable news network that liberals hate. Fallon's numbers are down to 1.3 million viewers per night. That's half of what Gutfeld, Gutfeld is getting over on Fox. And it was 11 million when he took over for Jay Leno several years ago. And less than two years ago, NBC gave him a five-year contract extension worth $80 million. And there are reports out there that there have been some shakeups in the production staff. Maybe they should consider a shakeup in the material on the show. If you add up the total number of minutes that I've watched him since he took over for Jay Leno, it wouldn't be five. But I've seen enough clips to know that almost all of his so-called humor has been pandering to liberals and making fun of Donald Trump. Well, David Letterman stopped being funny right around the turn of the century. So that's when I stopped even thinking about watching late-night TV. And why would anybody be surprised when one network decides to target conservatives and let the others fight over the liberals? Fox News started doing that 25 years ago. Seems like it's worked out pretty well for them. MSNBC and CNN fight over the liberals, and Fox is happy to take all the conservatives and, of course, the ratings that that come with them. Someone with some guts, by the way, could apply the same principle to local TV news, which stinks now and whose ratings are in the toilet. They could do it by putting on something that, you know, looks a little different and takes a conservative approach, but uh, don't expect that to happen anytime soon. When we come back, the Biden administration is thinking about eliminating your gas stove. And we will have someone here who just testified today in front of a House committee on how the Green New Deal is hurting blacks. And in our second half hour, another stupid law meant to protect transgender students has been blown up by an appeals court, this time in Florida. Stick around. Hey, have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you go to use it, it's not very absorbent? It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry? Well, that's why my pillow has developed the MyPillow towels. Towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you? Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now, you can get a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code STAG. Go to MyPillow.com right now, click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, and they have their 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set off MyPillow Towels, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. That's 800-716-8087 or just go to MyPillow.com, promo code STAG. My son Finn was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open-heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine 
is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. It's only a matter of time before you hear a liberal say that gas stoves are racist. The Biden administration is threatening to outlaw them because of the harmful pollutants they release. And Senator Cory Booker has pointed out that they're a burden on minority and low-income families. Donna Jackson of the Black Leadership Network Project 21 spoke to a group of House members today on that subject, sort of. She joins us now. Donna, thanks for being here again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so to whom did you speak and what was your subject? So I spoke with the the Republican members of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. There was about 18 uh, members and some of their staff as well. So there was more than that. And uh, the subject we talked about is unaffordable energy costs and the impacts on the minority community. It's kind of amazing that you're sitting there that Cory Booker would say that uh, natural gas is racist towards minority communities when electricity is four times as expensive. And that's according to the Department of Energy. Well, so uh, how is affordable energy racist towards the individuals in the community that have the lowest incomes? That makes no sense. Well, I, 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 to be fair, he, he didn't say that... that, that that gas stoves are racist. I was trying to make a little fun there. Um, but but I'm just saying that, as you know how this stuff works, it's only a matter of time till you're going to be racist if you if you think that you should be entitled to a gas stove. It's, a, it's coming down the pike, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and I, under, I understand exactly what you meant because, you know, um, the Biden administration, in the name of African-Americans, are creating this agenda we didn't ask for. And environmental justice and climate change policies that actually harm black communities is what you get. This is not the priority of African-Americans. And the fact that they've created this war on affordable energy is itself racist because this we know that industrialized jobs is how we got the emergence of a vibrant middle class, black middle class. And the fact that they're trying to push us backwards where, they, where they're de-industrializing America means that those high-paying gateway jobs are not available to minority communities who cannot participate in the keyboard industry. We don't have the college degrees. We have to be jobs. We have to have those blue-collar jobs where we're present. And those represent the best jobs for us to be able to uh, get into the American dream through home ownership. And the other thing that I can't stress enough, and I did it with the committee, is most small black businesses are restaurants. They depend on natural gas. They can't produce the same quality of product using electricity. And the fact that they want to go backwards and put us in their most expensive, unreliable source of energy is itself, you know, um, I would say racist. When people say racist, when when people say racism, you know what they're saying? is that I am not financially stable, cannot buy a home. And everything the Biden administration is doing is trying to make sure that black people stay financially insecure, that they stay dependent on the government, and they stay a permanent underclass, government-dependent class of people that can never lift themselves out of poverty. And that brings me back to the question I always ask, uh, Donna, and that is, if that's true, and you know that as a black person and, and, you, and as a, a member of the Black Leadership Network, how is it that the Democrats keep getting 90% of the black vote? I know you're out there trying to change that, but how, how is it that 
that not enough black voters are made aware of that and 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 stop voting for these people who are doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing? Well, one of the things that I've stressed with the committee is we have to be better at vocalizing and getting that message out. A lot of times when the African-American community says, we know how terrible that the left is treating us, what do you have to offer? They're not saying, we don't want to hear what you're saying, what you have to offer. We want you to just spell it out for us. And I don't know if minorities realize, they realize what's happening to them, but they don't realize we have solutions to it. And we need to vocalize the fact that we're going to push back on these kinds of measures to make their lives better in terms of economic upward mobility. And I think that what happened today was a first step in that direction because everyone knows that you can't depend on the left to, to uh, determine our marketing strategy and I don't mean to use it that way, but determine our message when we're speaking to the, our, this community. We have to go in and let them know that, yes, we're listening, yes, we understand it, and we have a plan to reverse it. And that's, that's the first step we took today, because we're going to show that if there's an economic impact that's negative to your financial condition, that we need to not enact these climate change policies. Um, did you feel like you were, was there some singing to the choir there going on, though, because it was, was it all Republicans? It was, but I think that there is Republicans who are genuinely concerned about making changes. And I think that the, 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 what I saw today, and when I was talking to the members, is that a lot of what I was saying, they had never heard before from me, from a person that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, they were completely unaware. You know, when you hear about the charging station in underserved communities, one of the things I brought out is who's going to use it? Because if you have, you can't, you have to take in consideration the socioeconomic condition of that community. First, they can't afford it. Secondly, if you have almost 70% of the community that's headed by single-parent households and they're participating in some kind of government transfer program, they're prohibited by law from owning any assets that valuable, even if they could afford it. And so why on earth would you put electric charging stations in a community where people can't afford it. If I participate in a welfare program, any kind, then I'm immediately going to be kicked off. Now why, and it's silly because there's an asset limit. Could you explain that? Why would you be kicked off? Because you're not allowed to own any assets accumulatively more than three, in most areas, more than $3,000. That's bank accounts. That's 401Ks. That's savings accounts, checking accounts, that's uh, insurance, anything like they make you liquidate all of that. You can't own any, you can't invest, you can't save, you can't buy any property if you participate in these programs. There's a limit in the number of assets, and it's not, accumulative. it's not accumulative. That means it's not $3,000 $3, a year. It's $3,000 as long as you're participating in the program. So you have to spend every dollar that you make in order to continue to be eligible. And that's why you see this kind of repeated uh, uh, dependency, because you can't save up for an emergency. You can't have that kind of money even sitting in a bank for an emergency under these programs. And it's not just one, it's multiple ones like that. And so you can't own it. Even if the government handed you a title and a, and a set of keys, you would have to sell that vehicle. That's and so that understanding that all of these government programs piled on to one another 
is actually what traps people once they get into the system. The best thing to do, not get into the system in the first place. But understanding the system, then when you add program on top of program, then you have this perpetual poverty underclass. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good way to promote upward mobility. <laughs> well, that's not the goal. The goal is to to uh, build a larger government on the backs of poor people because it's easier to sell it that way. I mean, it's only war and poor is how you build the government. So either you're in a war where you can do the army or you have poor people that you have to help, and so you have to add more government workers to help them in various. And that's how you build the government. I just want to take us out of that equation. We're talking to Donna Jackson of the Black Leadership Network, Project 21. She spoke to a group of House members today on the subject of, uh, well, I guess what you're saying is that the Green New Deal is not a good deal for blacks at all. <laughs> the, the Green New, I call it the Green New Deal the Green Jim Crow. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so this is a classic case of the government making things worse. You just described it. At, at 100%. One of the things I said is, if you think this, I don't have any confidence that this project would work. Because that's all you have to do is look at Chicago, look at Detroit, look at Baltimore. They've had 60 years of the less economic policies and see where they are. So that, you, you know, track, work, track records matter. And if, that, if they haven't worked up to this point, I have no confidence that the Green New Deal will work now. And, of course, again, the Democrats are the ones who have the image of the group that really is deeply concerned about the plight of everyone, uh, well, well, poor people, black people, all minorities, and that the Republicans are the ones who only care about the rich. And that, <laughs> that's a tough thing to flip. How are you going to do that? Oh, of course, because I'm going to expose the lies. I mean, you know, people don't, if they have a relationship with the minority community, which is, has to be equivalent to a uh, abuser, mental abuser. They say, you know, you're terrible, you're stupid. If people knew what you were really like, they'd never like you. And then they go out and they present the best face in front of everyone that says, see, you know, I'm a great person, while that person is silent and quiet and being abused by the Democratic Democrats themselves. We're going to expose that. That's where the abuse is, and we're going to expose those policies that are actually causing these problems. Well, yeah, but are the media going to be there to help you expose it, or are they going to be I'm doing going, the opposite? Gonna, uh, the media might not be there, but I can have boots in the ground in area after area. And, you know, uh, before we had Internet, before we had TV, uh, we had churches, we had groups that would get the message in African-American communities, and, and those ways still work. So, um, do you so explain what what is it you're doing as far as getting boots on the ground? What do you mean by that? How do you get actual people out there to spread the word? Well, we're going to start. We're going to hold events in various areas, partnership with people, uh, get uh, minorities from the community that are influential for them to spread the word as well, and make everybody aware of what's really happening and what we need to do to turn it around. Got a less than a minute here, Donna. Did, so today, do you feel like you had sympathetic ears, and do you feel like you enlightened some people who are going to take what they learned today and do something about it? Absolutely. I 100% felt the most confident <laughs> uh, and felt like, actually, we can turn this thing around. Um, and I had already had people contacting me, right after the meeting to work with them. So I'm confident that we can do something about it. We well, put out a blueprint for a better deal. We're gonna, we have a better deal. Well, and we're going to show well, that it is. I hope it works, and I'm glad to have you on the show. Always glad to have you, and hope you come back soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. You have a great day. You too. That's, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> that's Donna Jackson of the Black Leadership Network, Project 21, okay? And uh, well, i got a couple minutes here. I just want to tell you about something I just came across here. Uh, a study uh, published is, you know, this is the Green New Deal is all part of the same. This is all part of the same thing. It's, it's all about climate change. And it's about how you can uh, control people's lives by threatening them with 
climate change and all the ills that come with just being a human being. Apparently, there's a study published in the JAMA Network. It's trying to make the case that by uh, you appeal to people not to eat red meat on menus, and it's uh, it's a short leap from that to the idea that government-mandated warning labels on fast food menus will reduce meat consumption and save our planet. Uh, they're trying to do it. You know, it's the cow farts and all that stuff. This is a piece in, in PJ Media. Uh, this is and this is from Re- Reason.com. The study's data comes from more than 5,000 Americans who took part in a nation, nationwide online survey last year. Study participants were instructed to, quote, imagine they were in a restaurant and about to order dinner from an accurately priced sample menu containing a variety of choices, including hamburgers, chicken sandwiches, plant-based, plant-based burgers, and salads. And what they want to do is they want to, I, I guess where this is headed... This is just the stuff. Just gets more ridiculous all the time. But I guess where this is headed is they're going to somebody is going to come up with the idea. Maybe it'll be AOC. It'll be one of those idiots will come up with the idea that that restaurants have to put on their menu some kind of a a scale some some kind of a um, an, an indication of what your decision of to eat what effect that has. On the climate and the and the history of the planet Earth or the future of the planet Earth, so uh, it says here policymakers have have been debating how to get people to make less carbon heavy food choices. That's according to a report in the Guardian in April. The Intergovernmental Planet on a panel on climate change urged world leaders, especially those in developed countries, to support a transition to sustainable, healthy, low emission diets. And unfortunately, consumers have been resistant to a change. Imagine that. Many wish to continue eating meat. What's wrong with people? They want to eat meat. That's that's where we are. So just get ready for it. That's why you got to love like the, the fact that Chick-fil-A is out there. Liberals don't like Chick-fil-A. They're closed on Sundays. And they eat. They're, they're, it's, and these people will hate them because they kill chickens and people eat them. And all the stuff that comes with, I guess... Uh, eating and cooking, uh, cooking and eating meat and whatever it takes to raise the the animals that produce the meat, it's just ruining the planet. And if you go by any Chick Fil A, the drive through line snakes all the way through the parking lot out into the road, and people love it. And they're just these people; they just can't help themselves. They can't leave people alone. They just can't. Now, I, it's. It is. It's, it's it's a matter of time before you go into a fast food restaurant and there will be someone either – there will either be a sign or there will be something on the menu that will be encouraging you to make your choices based on how it's going to affect the planet, okay? Now, and we aren't there yet, but according to this story – Warnings on restaurant menus are on the way, and I don't know. uh, Is that going to affect anybody's decision on what to eat? Not going to affect mine. By the way, I don't eat red meat. I stopped eating it about half my life ago. Nothing to do with climate change or cow farts or any of that stuff. I just I stopped eating it. Uh, Somebody, uh, a friend, a friend of mine, got me on a low fat diet, which eliminated fat uh, red meat. And got me eating chicken and turkey and you know all the stuff, all the other kinds of meats that aren't red. And so I still eat all that stuff, but I just I got to the point where I stopped eating red meat. So I think that that's been back in the mid '80s. I stopped eating red meat. Just think at what what I've done. I'm I, I I'd like to do the math to figure out how many minutes I've uh, in, uh, increased the life of the planet by not eating red meat for 35 years. i got to figure five minutes anyway, right? A little me. And uh, there's no need to thank me, but I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas is vowing strict oversight of the National Archives. After President Biden returned missing presidential documents from his days in the Obama administration. 
In a similar case involving former President Trump, the archives referred the case to the DOJ, but not in the case of Biden's missing papers. I would note that Joe Biden's case in some ways is even more troublesome than Donald Trump's case because Joe Biden is a former vice president when these papers are involved. The vice president does not have the same prerogatives and the same kind of declassification authority that a former president does. Senator Codden viewed by the Salem Radio Network. Georgia finishing number one in the final Associated Press College football poll. The Bulldogs winning the CFP National Championship game 65-7 to over TCU. This is SRN News. We're entering a time of increasing hostility against people of faith. A time when Christians are going to be tested on a moral and physical and financial basis, unlike any other time in our lifetime. I'm Lance Wallnow, Christian author, evangelical leader, here to remind you that you have to take action to protect and steward what God has given you. For example, record high inflation is going to continue to eat away at the dollar, and the savings of your retirement account is in danger. Fortunately, God does provide a way. To protect your retirement, I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. Now, to see how it works, just text the word FAITH to 989898. That'll give you access to a free info kit on gold IRAs. There are no strings attached, so text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 right now, and I pray your family is blessed with peace of mind because you took action. AM 1250, The Answer. The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. The Nancy Maces of the conference care more about the centrists and the independents than they do the real Republicans. That's how they roll. And this is what Matt Gates and the other 19 Republicans, Chip Roy, Lauren Boebert, uh, uh, stood up to. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250, The Answer. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service master. Eric was way behind on his taxes. I owed a lot of money to the IRS, almost $15,000. I tried to make payments. The IRS wasn't satisfied with Eric's efforts, so they came after him full force. They're coming to put a lien and a hold on all my income, my home, my car. I was just overwhelmed at what to do. Then Eric called Optima Tax Relief. When Optima Tax got involved, the cars would stop, the threats would stop. It was easy like, uh... One, two, three. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and their team of expert tax professionals took care of Eric's problem. I owe 15000 and now my debt is clean. I don't owe anything. Take Eric's advice. If you have a tax problem, you need to call Optima Tax now. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. 223 cs Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Cloudy skies expected for tonight will reach a nighttime low of 26. Some sunshine tomorrow, then turning cloudy. Tomorrow's high, 46. Couple of showers tomorrow evening, otherwise low clouds, the low 39. Thursday, cloudy, breezy, and mild. A shower in the morning, followed by periods of rain in the afternoon. will reach a high Thursday of 52. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we uh, spent a segment yesterday talking about a federal judge upholding the law in West Virginia that prevents males uh, from competing with and against uh, females in sports. And a few days ago, a federal appeals court in Florida upheld a transgender bathroom ban. Sarah Partial Perry is a senior fellow at the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. She joins us now. Sarah, thanks for coming on. 
Thanks for having me. So it's, um, uh, again, by the way, we haven't had you on before. It's good to have you back. It's, um, it's ridiculous that we need judges, I guess, to decide this stuff. But is there a trend here? Uh, and is it, is it common sense or good law or both? What's happening here with these two stories? Well, I would say it's both. And we have the good law. Unfortunately, it's being interpreted by the federal Biden administration in a bad way. But Title IX, as you know, was passed in 1972, a 50-year-old anti-discrimination law that protects women's educational opportunities and any federally funded program, not just sports, as a lot of people think, but in higher education and programs and extracurricular activities and housing. But what we're seeing from the administration is a continuous refusal to heed the cry of the American population, the 224,000 comments that were submitted to the Biden administration on its Title IX proposed rule change. And I think these two particular judges have come to the right conclusion in very similar scenarios. Now, the 11th Circuit ruling is particularly good. That's the one coming out of a federal appellate court in Florida, written by Judge Barbara Lagoa, who was actually on the short list to be the Supreme Court, but was instead uh, passed over for Judge Amy Coney Barrett. And in fact, she wrote a tremendous opinion for the majority, and it was a split decision. It was 7-4. The court sat what's called en banc, which means all of the judges had to participate. And in writing for the court, she determined that sex is an immutable characteristic. And she actually cited the Supreme Court's own precedent on the issue. And she said that it is common sense to interpret sex to mean biological distinctions and to interpret it otherwise would automatically undo 50 years of progress and the very purpose of the law itself. She actually wrote a separate concurrence, one that's sort of sort of a traditionally um, sort of out of the ordinary approach to write both the majority opinion and a separate concurrence to one's own majority opinion. But she actually drew attention specifically to the sports issue itself and how this would have what she called repercussions beyond the bathroom door. This is a bathroom challenge, but she actually noted separately the impact it was going to have on sports and the differences between men and women's physiques and how that would be patently unequal. The victory that we just saw out of West Virginia actually centers on a state law, their Fairness and Women's Sports Act. And the Solicitor General of West Virginia defended against that bill and to the challenges brought by the ACLU, a similarly good outcome. And equal protection clause and Title IX determinations were also at issue. They also came out the right way. I take some issue with the rhetoric that is related specifically to how the judge wrote the opinion. He talked about being transgender as being an immutable characteristic, when in fact the science indicates otherwise, that that is fungible and it changes from one era to another, except in very limited circumstances, but still a good outcome. So we've had two blows to the Biden administration from two different federal courts in two different circuits in just the span of about a week. It's a lot of good news. So the the West Virginia ruling that we talked about here on the show yesterday, I had someone on from uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. They, they're the ones who um, took the case. But uh, so that's that's a that's that started with a state law. But the Florida situation with the bathroom thing, uh, that's but that was a, a Title nine fight. Is that the difference? Yes, that's exactly it. And one, so one obviously being a state law that's modeled on Title IX, but the other actually being a Title IX challenge itself. So we see now victories on the state policies, and we're seeing victories now on the actual 50-year-old federal civil rights rule. So we're actually seeing them at both levels, even though both challenges were brought in federal court because of the questions that they raised. But again, a really encouraging outcome on common sense in athletics and in bathrooms and all of the litigation that we've seen begin to pick up steam. So um, uh, help me out here. Um, what what does the the the, the law, the, the case in Florida was Title IX and that's a federal law that they're ruling on. 
How does that not affect all 50 states who have this issue? And why, why does it have Great to question. be state by state? Great question. So what we're seeing is from these particular states, until we get rulings like this, a lot of states have been very proactive and they've gone ahead to enact their own women's sports bills. Why? Because they anticipate, rightly so, that a law is coming down from the Biden administration's Department of Education and they're trying to protect against it. When a state is unable to both comply with its federal responsibilities and its state responsibilities, then the Supreme Court is likely to take up a challenge like that and determine that there's a violation of what's called the Administrative Procedure Act. In other words, that that federal agency, when it made this rule, wasn't thinking ahead, considering the costs, or interpreting the law correctly. That is how we are hoping the challenges will play out in the future, not only on Title IX, making sure that it means exactly what it says it means, but in these challenges between federal guidance from education department and state laws duly enacted through the democratic process. And those are some of the unique challenges that we saw specifically as concerns the West Virginia case. And so what... Um, it, <laughs> Well, where's this go now? I mean, what what happens? What's the next step here for people who want to see this common sense brought everywhere in the United States? So this is actually a great question. Um, Now something exists that might pretend the opportunity for the Supreme Court to take up this precise issue. Now, we've, we've actually seen federal litigation in multiple circuits, the seventh, the ninth, One is headed to the sixth. We have another one in which we lost in the second. But it is sort of a piecemeal hodgepodge right now on either state bills or interpretations and claims based on a federal law, Title IX. So you see they're sort of falling into one of two categories. But here's what we do know is that in 2021, a year after the Bostock decision, and you'll remember that that was the decision that interpreted sex under Title VII, which is an employment law and different from Title IX, to include transgender status. The Biden administration's used that to sort of run amok. Well, at the time, just briefly thereafter, a transgender student named Gavin Grimm wanted to use bathrooms not aligning with that individual's biological reality, sought cert from the Supreme Court, right? Review from the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court denied cert. They didn't think it was a case that was ripe for determination. Well, when we see a split between two federal circuits, the Fourth Circuit for the Gavin Grimm case, which was kicked down from SCOTUS, and the Eleventh Circuit case coming out of Florida and the Adams versus St. John's School Board, we have an opportunity for the Supreme Court to ultimately weigh in and clarify once and for all what sex means under Title IX and which of those laws when you're dealing with federal regulations on Title IX or state sports and biological sex laws gets to win the day. But on the very precise issue of Title IX, we have an opportunity to resolve that at SCOTUS, and I wouldn't be surprised if they consider taking up an appeal coming out of the 11th Circuit. Wasn't there a lot of disappointment from conservatives on Gorsuch uh, ruling on, on something pertaining to Title IX? (laughs) Yes, and great question. Uh, I've actually spoken at length about how a lot of us believe he botched a textualist approach. In other words, words have meaning, a plain text meaning, a plain and ordinary meaning of a term like sex enacted in 1972. When you take a look at the congressional record and the history surrounding its adoption would indicate it only means biological distinctions between male and female. It was, after all, the result of the feminist liberation movement, the post-sexual revolution. This was a feminist triumph. They wanted equality in education. But when Bostock actually interpreted Title VII to be expanded to gender identity or transgender status, believing it to be too closely related to sex, to not be included, I think a lot of us hung our heads that we recognized that next on the chopping block was going to be Title IX. Lo and behold, 
within the first few days of his administration. The president issues an executive order directing all federal agencies to include transgender status within the meaning of sex. So, yes, I hold fast to this day to the understanding that Gorsuch did not get his textualist interpretation right. And I think we're kind of seeing the ghosts of that now hopefully headed toward their final resting place. Well, is that something that's going to be hard to turn around? You know, what Gorsuch did, is that, how, how does that get flipped? Well, we're going to have to take these laws as they come up and these challenges as they come up one by one. And in fact, Justice Samuel Alito referenced this in his dissent in Bostock. He actually said very compellingly, there are over a hundred federal laws and regulations that talk about sex discrimination prohibitions. Because of that, you've essentially just opened a Pandora's box. Gorsuch tried to be very glib, said, listen, we're not talking about locker rooms or pronouns or dress codes or anything of the like. We're simply talking about whether or not an individual can be hired or fired because of their transgender status. He believes the issue was very limited, but what we know about the way the government works is entirely distinct from that. We're seeing the fallout, the shrapnel from that decision. So now we have to take these piecemeal challenges as they come. And it also indicates the importance of elections. Let's get new leadership in both chambers. Let's get new leadership in the White House. And let's roll back some of these policies that are ultimately designed to send women back to the 1950s. We're talking to Sarah Partial Perry. She's a senior fellow at the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. And that was what I was going to ask you. Um, can the Republican takeover of the House make a difference with all this? Well, I'll tell you what it will do is it's going to stymie the Democratic agenda coming out on sex and gender identity that we're going to see trickle down through the upper chamber. They won't be able to accomplish anything. And by that, I mean the Senate Democrats are not going to be able to accomplish anything because this is a particular issue around which the party itself has coalesced very well. We obviously did not uh, see the Republican victories and the conservative victories that we anticipated we were going to see in the midterm, but we have enough to certainly make the work of this administration in the last two years before hopefully we see a new president extremely difficult, and that's the way to go about it. And does this come down, um, Sarah, to just the bottom line being the interpretation of a word and the word being sex? Does it all come down to that? It certainly does. And what the Supreme Court has for years recognized to be, as I I mentioned in the beginning of the interview, immutable. And in fact, Justice Ginsburg referenced that and her opinion in the uh, United States versus Virginia case. That was a case challenging VMI's uh, acceptance policy of only men and not women. She discussed the immutability of sex, something you cannot change. And so we see ourselves as women, I think many of us in this battle, not only as as women who are hoping to recognize and enjoy the fruits of the past generation's labor, equal opportunity and education, safety and privacy and bathrooms and locker rooms, the opportunity to maintain our athletic standings, not have state titles wrestled away from us. But for me, as a mother of three kids, three teenagers, and one varsity volleyball-playing girl, it has very, very significant impact. So I think what we do is we continue moving forward on common sense. We ought never to tire of repeating that biology matters and distinctions, obviously, under law and in science, make a very big difference. And um, I, this is a question I ask. I may have asked you this: this, the how much does common sense? How much is common sense allowed to just come into this? And if if you know when you get a fight between the letter of the law and common sense, does common sense ever win? You know, interesting, that goes very closely to the issue of the plain and ordinary meaning of statutory 
terms. And believe it or not, this was a good portion of the discussion in both of the dissents in the Bostock versus Clayton County case. Both Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Alito mentioned the fact that we're looking at plain words. We understand, for example, that tomatoes are housed with the vegetables. Most of us consider them vegetables. They're technically fruits, he said. But there isn't anyone who says a tomato is a fruit. Let's house it on the same bin as the oranges. We're looking for plain and ordinary. Let's not go out of our ways to make it difficult. And I think that was a very common sense approach and one that we do well to stick to. Yeah, the the case we brought you on to talk about was the one in Florida with the bathroom issue. And I've asked this question, too. Uh, Speaking of common sense, what would happen if you, instead of putting uh, girls or boys on the door or, you know, women or men, you put vagina penis on the door? And if you have one of these, I I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's no more ridiculous than the, the discussion they're having now. You have one of these, there's your room over there. You have one of those. There's your room over there. How, what, what could, what legal, how could you legally get away with that? Well, you know, all schools are bound by appropriate um, adherence to federal civil rights laws, but they're also governed largely by local school boards uh, and superintendent of schools policies and districts, and that may not be something that is largely popular based on, for example, particular concepts that are taught or not taught in school. But what I do think is that we ought to continue to provide for gender-neutral bathrooms for those kids who may be struggling with their gender identity. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to send them to biologically distinct spaces. I think we make clear that this is not an effort at, at intimidation or discrimination. We're protecting privacy, theirs, and the other students. You're talking about common sense again, Sarah. What's wrong with you? You know, you expect people to you expect people to actually follow along with that these days. Uh, right, it's, 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 right. You know, imagine if someone woke up from a coma that had been in a coma since 1972 when Title IX was passed and, and saw it had come to this. Right. Well, I would hate to think of how jarring that would be, but that's why it's my great pleasure to fight this battle on a daily basis for myself and for my daughter. Well, you're doing a good job, and I hope uh, I hope you win. I hope we have some big wins down the road here because um, you know it's 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 not getting any earlier. And the, the more yeah. of this stuff is around, the more ridiculous it gets, especially Absolutely. with sports. It's a joke with sports. But I, I appreciate you coming on the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, that's Sarah Partial Perry from the Heritage Foundation. I'll be right back. Hey, have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you go to use it, it's not very absorbent? It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry? Well, that's why my pillow has developed the MyPillow towels. Towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you? Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now, you can get a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code STAG. Go to MyPillow.com right now, click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, and they have their 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set off MyPillow Towels, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. That's 800-716-8087 or just go to MyPillow.com, promo code STAG. My son Finn was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open-heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness 
at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, Joe Biden could be commander-in-chief for six more years. It's only a matter of time until he announces he's running again (laughs) in 2024. But this will make you feel confident. Yesterday, or was it uh, Sunday? Yeah, Sunday, I guess. He was caught on camera. Uh, he was down there in El Paso, and he was meeting with some people who worked on the border. And he went up. One of the guys he, he got into a conversation with, he said, you know, I was in the Secret Service. I learned a lot of Secret Service people in Ukraine and Poland. And uh, the guy he was talking to was a little confused about why he would say that to him. <laughs> well, the reason the guy was a little confused is that he was – uh, wearing a Salvation Army uniform with the badge and the whole thing, and Biden starts talking. To, he thought he thought a Salvation Army guy was a, a member of the Secret Service. Now, first of all, the, I don't think Secret Service guys wear uniforms around. But anyway, he was talking to a Salvation Army guy who was standing right in front of him with a uniform, a name tag, and he didn't know he was in the Salvation Army. And this guy, two years from now, wants to be, continue to be, the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the United States of America. That's where we are. I'm just telling you the news. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.